Good morning. Welcome to Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor with us, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we do have visitor's cards in the pew in front of you. If you just take one and fill it out, um, you'll drop it in the offering plate as that comes by. I do have a few announcements to share with you all this morning. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the atrium for anyone interested in participating in Grief Share. Um, and so if you will sign up on that sheet, there will be more information forthcoming on that. And you can read in your bulletin as well the little blurb that's in there about Grief Share. On, sad, um, excuse me, on September 20th and 21st, we're planning to go and assist with hurricane recovery um, from hurricane damage from last year. Most likely we'll be spending the night in a church on cots or air mattresses, and the cost is going to be $10 a person. Uh, more information will be forthcoming on this, but we will have a sign-up sheet in the atrium next Sunday for anyone interested in participating in that. Um, but the dates for that will be September 20th and 21st, and that is a Friday and a Saturday. Uh, please note that Tim, our custodian, is going on vacation this coming week. Um, so that means please try to pick up any trash um, that would not need to be left in a trash can for a long period of time, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, please do that so that we don't have any issues um, since he will be gone over the next week. Uh, parents of youth, please remember we will have a brief meeting uh, this afternoon at 5 o'clock in the youth room. Uh, parents and youth are both invited to come to that meeting, uh, but we would just ask that you would be there at 5 o'clock. A uh, few prayer concerns to share as well. Uh, we want to be praying for Ernest Marks. Um, Ernest had an incident with a table saw yesterday. Um, it did not go well. And so uh, we want to be praying for him and for his left thumb. Uh, and then Arthur Mosley, which is Vivian Shaver's uh, son-in-law, is recuperating from surgery. And then also Bob Mangum will be having surgery this Tuesday at Moore Regional. And so we want to be praying for him as well. Would you pray with me now? Loving God, we come to you today with joy in our hearts because we're able to gather in your house together once again. We ask that you help us to focus all of ourselves at the task at hand to truly worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
please take your hymnals and join us in worship by singing number 516. gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you have allowed us to come into your house and hear your word. And what a glorious day it shall be when the roll is called for those that are believers. Father, we ask that you be with those that are sick, need your healing hand, be with the caregivers. Father, we now ask that you might bless these tithes, these offerings, so that we might use them wisely to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Okay. Now, I know for some of you, you've already started back. But for most of you, what starts tomorrow? School? Are you so, a new school? Are you so excited? Yes. What do you need to tell me? We got to do it quick, though. Oh, you are so welcome. You are so very welcome. Thank you for thanking me. Okay, so tomorrow you guys start back to school. Now, I know you're so excited because your teachers are also so excited because I live with one, and I know how excited he is, let me tell you. Okay, so in thinking about starting back to school tomorrow, you've got to pack your book bag, right, to get ready for it, yeah? Okay, so what are some things that we put in our book bag to get us ready for back to school? What do we put? Pencils. Yeah, I've got some pencils in here. Okay, paper, like a notebook. Yeah. What else? What else do we put in our backpack? A pencil sharpener. Yep. What else? Crayons. Yeah, Miss Taylor couldn't find crayons this morning, so I put markers in here. Yes. A ruler. Yes, I have a ruler. Okay. Lunch, yeah, that's, that's important. Um, that is probably the most important. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, sometimes you have a lunchbox for that too, right? Lunchbox. Yeah, lunchbox. That's pretty important. Um, Miss Taylor has little, these are hand wipes so that, you know, germs. I don't like germs. Um, let's see, what else? There's a glue stick in here. That's pretty important, right? Scissors. I don't know if you can bring scissors. Can you bring scissors? Okay, you can bring scissors. Just wanted to check. All right, um, let's see what else. There's a binder in here. Yeah, so pretty important stuff, right, to pack for school. But you know what I want to talk to you about this morning? More important than anything that you will ever put in this backpack? Do you think you know what it could be? God. God, yes. It's about God. And something that I want to talk to you about this morning, it's called, yes, the Bible, but I want to talk to you about the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. Do you know, have you heard that before, putting on the armor of God? Yeah, Cam, you've heard that before? So there's several different things we have to put on in order to have on our full armor of God. Okay, so we're going to start with the belt of truth. How can we find the truth? What's, where do we find the truth? In God, and where does God talk to us? How does he, what do you think? The Bible, that's right, absolutely. So what do we do? We just have to carry this around, maybe stick it in our book bag, stick it under our pillow, and then we're good to go. We just have it with us. What do we have to do with it? We have to read it. That's so important, guys. So even if you can't read, your mom and dad can read with you, right? We have to read our Bible. That's so important. Okay, next... We have the breastplate of righteousness. What, what does righteousness mean? What does that mean? That's a big word. What do you think it means? How about this? It means to do the right thing. Sometimes it's hard to know what the right thing is, and sometimes we may not feel like doing the right thing. But what do you think we can do when that happens, when we don't know what's the right thing? What's something that we could do? What do you think? 
you can pray, you can read the Bible. What else? Can you ask someone what's the right thing to do? Like your teacher, you could ask your teacher, you could ask your mom and dad, you could ask Pastor Gary or me, and we try to help you. What about your feet? You've got to have something on your feet, right? In verse 15, it says to have feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. Now, that means we should have a willingness to share the gospel. That means to tell other people about Jesus. It also means a readiness for all of life, being careful with our speech and our actions, so what we say and what we do, and also showing peace and love to others. Then we also need to complete the armor with a shield. Verse 16 says to take up the shield of faith so that we can fight off Satan's attacks. Now, back in the day, those shields were huge. My Bible commentary told me they're about four feet by two and a half feet. Now, that's taller than some of you guys down here, okay? That's pretty tall. And what they would do is the soldiers would line up next to each other, and they would put their shields really close so that nothing could get by. When they did this, they could push right over the enemy and not get hurt. We can learn something from that. Sometimes we need more than just ourselves to fight against the devil. That's why it's important to choose good friends that will stand and fight with you, friends who are also trying to do the right thing. So we've got two more things we've got to do. Two, okay? Last two pieces, the helmet of salvation. Our heads are pretty important, right? Don't you think? We wear a helmet when we're riding our bike. We wear a helmet when we're skateboarding. What about playing football? Do we wear a helmet then? Yeah, we do. What are some other things we need helmets for? What do you think? Baseball. Baseball, yes. What? Yeah, your bike and skateboarding and skating. Our brain's pretty important. Likewise, salvation is our ultimate source of protection. And then last, we've got the sword of the Spirit, which the Bible tells us is the Word of God. We can fight Satan with the Word of God, the Bible. That's why it's important to memorize scripture. When Satan tries to tell us to start a rumor about someone we don't like, we can think of the verse that says, love your enemies. Or when he tries to tell us to blow off our homework and not do a good job, we can think of the verse that says, and whatever we do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these are all important things that we can put on as Christian people to help us to get ready for a new school year as well. Just like packing your backpack, you're putting on your armor of God for school as well, okay? So I want us to read this last verse of the passage too because I think it's, it's pretty important. We're going to end with this. In verse 18, it says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So, what does that command us to do? What was that last thing it asked us to do? To pray. To pray. Let's pray now, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these children. God, we thank you that they have the opportunity to start off a new year and to go back to school to learn so many wonderful things. God, I pray that you be with their teachers as they teach them and lead them, God. God, I also pray that you would help them to put on the full armor of God so that they can go in as Christian people prepared to live out a life ready and willing to represent you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
this, I think, is one of the most compassionate portions of Scripture. See if you hear Jesus hinted at from Genesis chapter 45. Please come closer to me, Joseph said to his brothers. When they did so, he said, I am Joseph, the brother you sold into slavery in Egypt. Now don't be sad or angry with yourselves that you sold me. God sent me ahead of you to save lives. The famine has been in the land for two years. There will be five more years without plowing or harvesting. God sent me ahead of you to make sure that you would have descendants on the earth and to save your lives in an amazing way. It wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He has made me like a father to Pharaoh, Lord over his entire household and ruler of Egypt. <coughs> Hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of Egypt. Come here to me right away. Good morning. Pray with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, it is good when redemption draws close to us and it comes to us in different ways at different times we pray for your redemption Lord we pray for an outpouring of your spirit we pray for revival we pray for your power to fall fresh on us Sunday after Sunday that we might be strengthened for life and living, that we might go out into this world and be your people, that we might share your gospel and that others who don't know you in the pardon and forgiveness of their sins might see your redemption as it draws close. And so, Lord, as we look at Joseph today and the redemption that he brought to his family even though they had done him badly. Help us to examine our family. How are we doing? Lord, is our family as close as it needs to be to you? Or it will be impossible for us to be as close to each other as we need to be if we're not close to you. For God, if we're trying to do family in our strength, my goodness, the world changes the family every week. But if we find our strength in you, O oh Lord, and we listen to you, then our redemption, it draws near to us. My prayer is today, Lord, there's a family here, I'm sure, that's struggling probably more than one, probably many, maybe most. But Lord, we just ask that we would examine even this great story from the text and your deliverance and your ultimate work 
in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of problems, in the midst of being overwhelmed, that we might indeed see you at work. For Lord, sometimes we feel broken. Sometimes we feel life is a problem. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed. So today, speak fresh to us. Let us see with the Spirit's eyes and let us hear with the Spirit ears what you might say about our family, about our life, about our walk. For we make this prayer in Christ's holy name. Nothing you can ever do to make God love you more than he does right now. And there is nothing you can ever do to make him stop. Did you hear that? There is nothing you can ever do to make God love you more than he does right now. And there is nothing you can ever do to make him stop. This is the love of God.
Thank you, choir. What a tremendous truth. What a tremendous message. Open with me to Genesis chapter 46. We're going to be piggybacking off of what Jimmy read just a moment ago. And as we think of God's love for us, we see it sometimes at work in strange ways. And this is a story of God taking bad decisions that people made, i.e. Joseph's brothers, and God using those bad decisions for good. There's a verse that you probably know by heart. It's found in Romans, the 8th chapter, the 28th verse. It says, for we know that all things work together toward good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. Now, we know that not all things are good. Trust me, we cannot call evil good because evil is not good. But what we do know is that God is in control of this world. And when evil happens, and it does, you and I are not defeated by the evil. There's no greater illustration in the Old Testament than Joseph. And there's no greater illustration in the New Testament and in fact in the world than Jesus Christ. When these two men endured the evil that was placed upon them, Joseph being sold into slavery by his uh, first about to be killed, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, gets in Potiphar's house and finds himself being uh, literally falsely accused because of his moral stance to not be with Potiphar's wife in a sexual sense and is thrown into jail, into prison. He'll stay there two years, the text tells us. Two years in jail for doing everything right. And then ultimately, we'll, the story goes, he interprets the dream of Pharaoh by interpreting the dream and telling him that there was a seven-year famine coming after seven years of plenty. He is promoted to second in control of Egypt, and that will be the salvation of his own family because the conversation when Joseph's brothers would come to Egypt to buy food because the famine was in its second year, Joseph recognized them and ultimately he sent word back to his father, Jacob and Israel. And you'll notice in our text that those names of Jacob and Israel are going to be interused. One minute will be Israel, one minute will be Jacob. And that was just the way the, the Old Testament, especially the book of, of Genesis, was composed by the sources that put it all together uh, and gave us the written copy of Moses' words that we have. And in that, we find him struggling with whether he should leave Canaan, whether he should go to Egypt. And our text today is the affirmation of God and the promise of God that it's going to be okay. In this, I think we're going to find some truths for us and how our families can overcome and how the church family can overcome in the brokenness and the problems and in the overwhelming 
challenges that we face sometimes. So our text is the first seven verses of the 46th chapter of the book of Genesis. If you're able, let me invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's Word. And so Israel took his journey with all that he had, and he came to Beersheba, and he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Verse 2, And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba, The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, the little ones and their wives in the wagon that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt. Jacob, all of his offspring with him, his sons, his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. May God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, speak to us because we so want to overcome and the challenges, Lord, are often, well, Lord, they're just tough. So give us a word. There may be someone today dealing with a tough family decision with a a tough decision this week that we don't even know we're going to have to face. Would you strengthen us now that we might hear your word and your word might strengthen us for life and living. Our prayers in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Last week we looked at two at the reality that jealousy can tear up a family. I gave you two quotes. I said word. I think y'all were looking for one word. Several asked me what the word was, and so two phrases. How about that? Words, I should have said. To love the Lord our God correctly and to love our neighbor was the first quote, and to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first was the second word. I want to tell you that that's true, but I want to tell you that's hard. That's very hard to do, and and especially in our day and in our time. As we have become modern, you you may have begun to hear, and and they speak of our era now as the post-Christian era. Have you ever heard of that? The post-Christian era. You know, post means after. After the Christian influence is no longer there. And that's true. Christianity no longer influences America like it did at one time. And so in this era, it's hard to love the Lord. It's hard to seek Him first. Our challenge is to do that. 
And it is the answer. It is correct. It does tell us what we need to do. When we don't do that, then all kind of problems can occur. It is amazing to me the, the birth of reality TV, especially reality TVs where people come on television, national television, and air their family problems. And we like to watch that. We, we, we entertain ourselves with watching other people have problems and deal with them on television. Who would have ever thought a man named Jerry Springer? You know that name? You know that name, Jerry Springer? You know what his program is? To bring folks on and to become so angry that while he is interviewing them, they'll go to blows. And the audience is just like kids in elementary school when the fight breaks out, we circle around and watch it. Only we do it on our television or on our computer. You see, broken families has become our norm. In fact, it's become our entertainment. It's become what we kind of expect. Today, I want us to look at God's solution to what happens when we're affected by jealousy, by problems, by brokenness. We live in the land of options. We can choose to be broken or blessed. We can choose to be overwhelmed or overcomers. We can see our situation as a problem or as a promise. And Joseph will be our teacher today. Before we get there, I want you to understand that what's about to happen is if we look just a little bit further around, when we get to Exodus, the first chapter, we're going to find that there's going to be a Pharaoh that rises up that doesn't know Joseph, that doesn't keep the same agreement that Joseph had. And we know that in this, pro in this process, Israel finds themselves being enslaved by Egypt, and they will stay for 490 years in bondage. That's a long time. And then we know Moses will come up and he will ultimately lead them out of Egypt and back to Canaan, back to the promised land. And we know that they'll receive promises. We know they'll be told there's a land coming. We know they'll be told that God has a better plan. And that hasn't even happened yet in Genesis, where we are right now. But you ever read a book and flip over to the end of the book to see how it ends up? You ever, you ever done that? Let's do that, shall we? Because in Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, I want to just read some verses that tell us God wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to be people who can overcome the problems that are around us. Revelation 2.7 says, and I love that almost every one of these is going to start with, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. In 2.7 it says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We know that tree was there in the garden. In 2.11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. 
We don't have to worry about spiritual death. We don't have to worry about hell. And in 2.17, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church, to him who overcomes. Do you see this thing? Hear what the Spirit says, to him who overcomes, I will give the hidden manna. We hadn't even got to manna yet. Manna's going to be coming while they're in the wilderness. He says, I'll give the, the hidden manna. And I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, in Revelation 2.26, he says, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, powerful words, I will give authority over the nations. We'll rule with him in Revelation 3.5. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. And I'll never blot his name out of the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels, eternal life. Revelation 3.12, he who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from God. And I will also write on him my new name. Revelation 3.21, to him who overcomes. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. And finally, in Revelation 21, 7, he says, He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God, and he will be my child. He who overcomes. What a powerful world. You know, we, we want to overcome. I, I, I promise you, every one of us here, if we're dealing with brokenness or problems, we want to overcome it, don't we? We want to have a new day. We want to have a better day. Well, the first thing I want us to look at is how Joseph will teach us that we can move from brokenness to blessing. Now, it was because of jealousy. It was because of hatred that existed in the chosen family. Brokenness had occurred in the same way. Now, listen, if that can happen in the best and this is the best family in the Old Testament. This is, this is Abraham's great-grandson, okay? This is, this is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then we've got Joseph. This is the family that God has given this promise to establish Israel, a new nation. This is the family that is the lineage of Jesus Christ. If they can have problems, boy, can't we. Joseph, he had every right to be bitter. When you're wronged, you have that right. When you're broken, you have that right. But each of us are challenged to make a decision. And here's what I want to tell you. Here's the truth. Joseph changed his focus. Joseph changed his focus. I read this story of a young boy who was sitting on the steps and he had a hat beside him for people to drop money into. And on his sign that he had right above his hat, he had these words, I am blind, please help. And there were a few people who would drop some coins into his hat. 
Well, a man stopped by and said, may I change your sign? The boy said, sure. And so the man scribbled something. The blind boy didn't know what. And he put his sign back and he walked on down the road. And suddenly the boy noticed more and more people were dropping money into his hat. A little while later, the man came back and saw that the hat was full of money. And he said, well, that seemed to have worked. The young man said, yes, what did you, what did you write on my sign? The young man, the, the, the man who wrote on the sign said, well, I told him exactly what you said. I only said it differently. He said, I wrote these words. Today is a beautiful day, but I cannot see it. And suddenly, as people were walking by and they saw that, they began to think differently. They changed their focus. They suddenly began to realize that they had the blessing of sight and it called into their focus the fact that this young man did not have his sight. The second sign was more effective. Joseph there was probably a long time he couldn't see it was a beautiful day. <laughs> it wasn't a beautiful day when he was in the pit. <laughs> it was, but not to him. It, it wasn't a beautiful day when they sold him into slavery. It wasn't a beautiful day when he was arrested in Potiphar's house. It wasn't a beautiful day when for two years he was in the king's prison. But it was. And he changed his truth. He changed his focus from, listen, from woe is me to blessed be the name of the Lord. From woe is me to blessed be the name of the Lord. Now that may not sound like much, but I want to tell you that's everything. I want to suggest to you that if you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you've got to change your focus. If you are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you've got to change your focus. And the first thing you've got to do is begin to see your circumstances differently. And that's what Joseph did. While he was in prison, he was interpreting the dreams of, of those that came into the prison with him, it would ultimately be the way by interpreting the cupbearer of the king's dream that he would find himself before Pharaoh and ultimately second in command. In Acts chapter 16, there's another beautiful story, terrible story, but yet a beautiful story for those of us who began to say, I want to change my focus. I want to see the world differently. Paul and Silas, they were having a terrible day. In Acts chapter 16, they're, they're on their way and this one little lady who has a, uh, a demon, we'll say, is following them and she is proclaiming that th these are the men of God. Now that'd be a good thing, but she got to where she was being annoying, you know. And so finally, Paul, I think it was, just turned back and he threw that demon out of her. 
We can say, boy, that's great, right? Did a good thing. Well, unfortunately, she was a slave. And unfortunately, she was making her master an awful lot of money through that demon. And when he threw that demon out, he threw out that master's livelihood, and he became angry. And he had all of the people to fall. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 16 that they beat Paul and Silas with rods and they threw them into prison. Not only into prison, but into the innermost part of the prison. Not only to the innermost part of the prison, but in stocks. So here you are banged and bruised and possibly broken ribs and now you're forced to be sitting in stocks and what would you do? I know what I would be doing. I'd be saying, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? But that's not what they were doing. In verse 25, it says that they were praying and singing hymns. And the prisoners were listening to them. And, and you know the story is the, 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 the Philippian jailer, because an earthquake's going to come, those stocks are going to fall off, the doors are going to be open, and at the end of the day, by Paul and Silas keeping their focus on God in all that misery, the Philippian jailer and all his family are about to be baptized the next day. That's how God's at work. You see, today maybe you've come into the worship center and it doesn't feel like it's a beautiful day. Maybe you're dreading school starting back. Maybe you're dreading the problems that you left when you came to church today. Maybe there's a problem at work or a problem somewhere in your life. But I want you to hear it's a beautiful day. And when your focus is where you can see that. And when your focus can see on other people who can't see that. It will change you. From brokenness to blessing. It's where Joseph was headed. Is that where you want to go today? Secondly, the problem was turned to was was overcome by a promise. And I I want you to see the significance of what we read. And, and here's what I want you to hear him say. It, when God says in verse 3 of our text, I'm God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, and there I will make you into a great nation. You know who he made that promise to first? Abraham. You know who he made it to second? Isaac. And you know who he made it to this time? To Jacob. Now, I just told you enough of the story to tell you that for over almost 500 years, for half a century, for half a century, the children of Israel are going to be in bondage in Egypt. That's a long time. That's longer than this country, America, as you and I know it, has been in existence by half. And it, there must have been days when the children of Israel woke up and realized they had to go into the Pharaoh's pits and make bricks to make the, the, the monuments and the city and all the things in Egypt. 
But they must have said, God sure has a weird way of making kingdoms, doesn't he? He must, what? Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever say, Lord, I made that commitment to you long ago. I accepted you as Lord and Savior. I gave my all to you. I made a commitment to walk by faith for the rest of my life. And sometimes, Lord, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Lord, sometimes I don't see what you're up to. It just doesn't feel like the way I thought it ought to go. It's not headed. And what about those in Israel who were born in slavery and died in slavery? I want to tell you, sometimes we struggle and the problems are real. But what's the promise? In the Old Testament, the promise was Canaan, that God was going to give them a promised land. I want you to understand that in the New Testament, God didn't change that promise. He just brought it all the way to completion in Jesus Christ. I want us to also understand that no matter where we are, we need to see God. Hudson Taylor the founder of China Inland Missions, used to hang in his home a plaque with two Hebrew words on it, Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. The first word, Ebenezer, means here too hath God helped us. And the second, the Lord will see to it and provide. Here too, God has helped us and the Lord will see to it or provide. One look back, the other look forward. I can tell you that in my life, I have fingerprints of my God where he has worked in my life, worked in my world, worked in circumstances. Have I had difficult circumstances that I felt were dark and I didn't understand? Yes. Have there been times I wish God would have done some things and, and God didn't do them, at least not the way I wished he would? Yes. But can I stand here today and tell you that God is faithful? Amen. I can. And because I know of his faithfulness in the past, I am confident of his faithfulness in the future. I am confident that God is with us, no matter the problem. I remember the promise. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his promise. Finally this morning, from overwhelmed to overcoming. That's where I want to be. There are times when we can't see God at work. Joseph had those times in the pit, sold into slavery at Potiphar's house, in jail. The cupbearer forgetting him for two years. But he always remembered the promise. He never forgot the promise. God is always at work. In Genesis 39, 21, we find these words. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keepers in the prison. So even when he was down, God was with him. God often uses what we feel like is defeat 
as weakness, as overwhelmed, to give us the strength to overcome. Joseph is the beautiful Old Testament example. Jesus. Jesus is the New Testament. The cross was overwhelming. The cross was overwhelming. Dying that way, someone, I think it was Diane who had a shirt this past week that said, he died on a hill that he made. Remember how John 1, 1 starts in the beginning was, he was, the word was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and nothing was made except through him. So when we talk about the hill of Golgotha, the hill of Calvary, can you imagine being the creator of the hill and loving so much that you'd be willing to die on the hill you made? And in that moment of defeat, in that moment of darkness, where darkness at 3 o'clock overcame the world, in that moment of darkness, the greatest light in all the world began to shine. And Jesus conquered death. And so that passage I read in Revelation, those words of the Lamb, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, Overcome good with evil. I want to close with a story by Watchman Nee, a Chinese evangelist, tells this true story. There was a poor Chinese farmer, a Christian Chinese farmer, that was high in the mountains. Every day he would spend hours pumping water into his rice paddies, but when he returned to the fields the next morning, he would find that right beneath him, uh, on the mountain, his unbelieving neighbor had opened all the dikes and drained all the water he had pumped into his rice paddies into his. Now, what would some good old boys from Deep River want to do about that? Okay? For a while, he just ignored it. And so every day, he had to do the hard work of filling the rice paddies up and his neighbor had the easy work of opening a dike and letting it all drain down into his fields. But it became apparent that if something didn't change, because rice paddies need water all the time, his crop would fail. And so he went to his church. I think we'd be a better community if sometimes we'd bring our problems to our church. And we come together as, as believers, as the New Testament teaches us to do. And they prayed about it, and they discussed the decision, and they came up with a plan. The next day, the Christian farmer got up two hours earlier and went and pumped water into his unbelieving neighbor's rice paddies first. And then he went and filled his rice paddies. He never said a word. He just kept doing it. Soon after seeing what had occurred, his unbelieving neighbor asked him why. Why would you do that? 
he said, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, and soul, and I didn't want to have conflict with you. Soon after, the unbelieving neighbor became a believer. If we could understand that that's a great story. Maybe that's a warm, fuzzy story, right? But if we understand that some of the things we can do in Deep River, maybe some of the things we can do more than anything else might change some of our neighbors. Because Jesus was right. The way you overcome evil is with good. That's what Joseph said. Jimmy read it. You thought you were doing me evil, but God used it for good. This week, families, I want you to hear me say something. God wants to work in all of our lives. He wants to work in our families. He wants to work in our community. He wants to change people's lives. He wants to change my life. He wants to change your life. But it's about choice. Because you can choose today to stay broken. You can choose to stay mad. You can choose to stay frustrated. You can choose to stay irritated. You can choose to stay whatever you stay wherever you want to choose. But two good examples are Joseph and Jesus to maybe make a different choice. I want to encourage us today to move from brokenness to blessing. I want to encourage us today to not be caught in the problems of life, but to be caught in the promises of God. And I want us to be caught in not being overwhelmed, but being overcomers. Because that's our call. You just heard it from the end of the book in Revelation 2, 3, and 21. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He who overcomes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, no doubt there's someone here today that's struggling with some issue, with some problem, with some brokenness, with, with some betrayal, with some hostility, with some frustration. Help us to see, Lord, our blessings and recognize this is the day that the Lord has made and we are to rejoice and to be glad in it. May every decision that needs to be made for you that would move the needle in our life toward us being better equipped to love you and to seek you be made during this next few moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is page 502, Open My Eyes That I May See. Page 502, this morning if God is speaking to your heart and you need to make a decision that would change your focus, would you do so as we stand together?
hope and trust that you have a good week this week as we go out of this place to be God's people. And as we do that, I want you to be overcomers. I want you to think of what you can do to love the Lord our God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your neighbor as yourself, and to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and allow everything else to be added unto you. And now as we leave this place, may we do so in God's peace and in his power and in his abiding presence that we might be his people of all this God whose field do I need to fill up before I fill mine whose sign do I need to change what focus do I have that I need to refocus in Jesus name we pray Amen Go in Christ's love